This is Chat Dragon, a talk show and actual play podcast about sci-fi, fantasy, and the world's most beloved game of make-believe, Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Jared, and I'm your host. I am a newspaper reporter by day and a dungeon master by night. I decided to start this podcast for purely selfish reasons, and that is to have a reason to talk to interesting people about interesting topics all through the lens of D&D. Each episode, I talk to friends, family members, and tabletop role-playing creatives about this beloved hobby. The conversations are driven by dice, and the games driven by our imaginations. Hi everyone, this is Jared from the Chat Dragon Pod. I'm back again with my good friend Sam Hefty uh, to discuss the D&D game we just played for the show's campaign, The Sidekick. Sam, how are you today? I'm doing great, how are you? Doing awesome. So Sam, how do you think it went? I think it went well. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a really cool setup that you had, uh, the preparation that went into it. I like how there were elements from previous weeks uh, where different individuals kind of left me hanging in certain ways, and I had to pick up the pieces. And I thought that was just a really cool format and a really cool setup. And it was nice to... You know, I as I said earlier, I really love the theory elements of any game that I play, and a lot of that comes into, uh, a lot of that manifests itself as like character building, and and or world building, and just being like, oh, this is like a cool concept. This could lead to all these possibilities. I love that. Let's run with it. But this was the exact opposite. This was, hey, everything's already set for you. Somebody's already played this character and got some wear and tear on him. And let's see what you can do with it. And I thought that was really creative. And I really enjoyed that element of um, of the game. In terms of how it went, like, you know, my point of view is always, or at least for now, it's always going to be like, I could have done a lot better. Uh, my point of view is like, I haven't played a lot of D&D and I know a lot of other people have maybe played a lot or they're, uh, you know, they have much more experience with uh, thespian roles or life or whatever skills than I do. So I can totally um, see a lot of other people taking it down a more uh, political path or more um, theatrical path. Um, for me, most of my experience is like strategy related, whether that be video game or uh, uh, magic or that kind of tabletop. So my thing is more just like, oh, what are, you know, what are, what am I going to do for combat? What am I going to do for um, getting in and out of, of difficult situations? It's a lot less based on, on charisma and politics and that kind of thing. So um so yeah, I think I think I could have I think I could have probably played it better in terms of uh getting uh uh Marigold and, and Todd into a more wacky adventure, getting them to do crazier, cooler things. But um still learning and still fun to check it out. I think part of the fun is just having character you know, each person has their own spin and how they like and own style of play so i think of the fun the fun for me at least has been to kind of see how people differ in their approach and to kind of see how marigold changes with each guest you know before he would you know first episode we had a little bit of backstory we just knew he had kind of a funny name and he kind of had a chip on his shoulder about it and he was working for this guy but then we like over time have learned that he's kind of 
failed improv comedian. He's kind of reckless and a trash talker. And all these things were established by different people. So it's kind of interesting to see how people put their mark or scars or, you know, whatever on, on the character. So um, I, I'm kind of interested, though, Sam. You said you kind of are more of a strategic player. So when you are making your characters, um, you, you, you're making a character um, for a campaign. Do you think about story first, or do you think about how to like, like max, max, max out their stats, get the the most out of the character um, in terms of their skills and their abilities? I think it's a good question. I think for me, I I naturally like gravitate to the first thing that you said, where um. Whenever I look at any game, I, I tend to, I know there's a lot of people who look at like the flavor or the the story or the lore of the game first. And they're just like, I want to play, you know, um, an elf and I'm always going to play an elf and I love elves. And that's cool. Like that's, that's cool for those people that they, they know what they like. I tend to be, um, I tend to look at the like more like metagame strategic, like, hey, does my group have this? If not, I'll provide it or hey, what if we get into this scenario? What can I do to help that? I think there's different archetypes that people fall into when looking at those kind of roles. So some people are like, I'm always going to be the martial melee fighter. I always want to wield a two-handed you know, weapon and smash face. And some people are like, I always want to be that mage character. And I think for every game I've ever probably played, I tend to um, come at it from a toolbox or toolkit approach, whether that be a MOBA or an MMO or, you know, a card game or uh, a d and I'm just like, hey, what's a well-rounded character? I know um, when I talk to people about D&D, and I've expressed that before, people are like, oh, you should totally play a bard. That would be awesome. Bards can do everything. And you sound like you want to do everything. And that sounds perfect for you. And I'm just like, I don't see myself as a charismatic person. I don't think that I want to be singing. I don't think I want to be making charisma checks and be doing like different politics in a game. When I think of a, a tool toolbox kind of character, I think of the quote skill monkey kind of character where it's just like I'd rather be a thief that has tools for every situation, or I'd rather be a like a cleric that can call on like godly power to get us out. I think that's my thing is like, I don't like pigeonholing myself. I want to be able to always have an answer to a problem, even if it's not a great answer. You know, I want to be able to say, oh, like we're stuck in a jail. I'll pick the lock. Oh, we're in a battle. I'll um, help my, you know, I'll I'll be able to take on an enemy. Oh, like one of my teammates needs help. I'll be able to help my teammate. I want to kind of Swiss army knife it up. And um, that is my general approach to things. Uh, but to answer your question, um, I found it really interesting because one of the campaigns we did, um, I think it was our second campaign that we did together. I, I didn't want to take that metagaming approach or I, I, the metagaming affected the lore. So I, I tried to make a quote, perfect character and I ended up having int as a dump stat. And then I went back and said, you know what? It makes a lot of sense to have this character just be really not dumb but like new to the world he doesn't have a knowledge base and then i can role play him as like he's just been created he's a warforged he doesn't know what's going on in the world he doesn't understand stuff he's a cleric 
you know, he's just being created by science, but his int is so low, he can't understand science. So he actually thinks it's faith. He thinks science is just magic. And he lives in a world with magic to begin with. So that's not really that far of a stretch. And he's like, not the brightest dude. And he kind of would end up playing like a Groot like character where he's really kind, he's really simple. Uh, and I just thought the concept of playing a Groot like character would be awesome. Um, I've just been talking for a long time. So you know if you know me as a person i talk a whole lot so i was like hey it'd be really cool to play a character who doesn't talk that much and and maybe uh has a lot more wonder and confusion when they enter the world and the result of that was uh that was horrible for that group because <laughs> the group really needed a leader it really needed somebody to step forth and say hey let's uh let's make decisions this way or let's be the face. I'm the face of the party. I'll take care of this. And in the background, I was just, you know, I'm grooting it up and that really didn't work. That's really good with, uh, with the, maybe a group that has a dedicated, you know, leader. Uh, and you can, you know, if, if your group has, if, I mean, not to rip off, uh, Marvel too much, but if your group already has a rocket and a star Lord and everything, yeah, you can play a group, but sometimes you need to be that, team leader or you need to be the the um, catalyst for change and that character is just not a great outlet to be a catalyst for change i i really liked that character when you played him and just for the listener to know the campaign he's talking about it was a campaign in kind of this world homebrew world that i've used for a couple campaigns um where like a lot of really mundane things are Kind of, there a lot of mundane things like battle of the bands, or say like your local postal service get kind of jumped up with magic and conflict, and kind of I don't know. It's kind of a silly world. So the the concept of the campaign was that they're they're in a band. It's like a battle of the bands that they're trying to win. And Sam's character, yeah, he was this. Um, he was like a machine man, right? And he <laughs> doubled as the drum drum machine or the drummer for the band. Is is that correct? Yeah. So my my uh, I hadn't played much D and D up to that point, and so I was looking at different races and different classes. And the concept of forge cleric made a lot of sense to me. It fit that role that I was just describing, where it was just like, hey, if if my party needs a tool, I can make that tool when we need it, and I can. Uh, you know, have divine intervention and come in when we need it. And I can heal my teammates, but I can also kind of be like the tank because our, our group didn't have a tank. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. And this will work out. Um, but then when it came to creating like a more role play element, which, like I said, was always kind of secondary to me, I was like, oh, it makes a lot of sense that like, maybe there was just a, a, a defective Warforge that got thrown off the line, but it's still somehow was alive and it was like hey all i like i hammer things i care about hammering and i see somebody else hammering and i'm like wow and and building a machine and i'm like wow you're like a god like you made a thing i'm gonna worship you and i'm gonna hammer and oh you guys want me to be in a band well i will hammer these drums like that's what i do and he just said hammer which was his name a bunch of times because like i said he's a group like character he has really low int so uh that was kind of uh where i was taking that or trying to take it that was fun sam um i guess to kind of 
pivot from that topic. Um, I think you had mentioned to me you're a well, we I know that you're a Magic the Gathering player or were a Magic the Gathering player, so are you familiar with the indie like Magic the Gathering crossover thing that's supposedly happening? Yeah, I didn't play you know, I was really into Magic when I was younger, um, the gathering, the card game. I thought the strategy and the the look and the lore and everything of it was really cool. And um recently been paying more attention to magic and they just came out with a D set i believe it's called um adventures of forgotten realms or something to that style but uh i do like that wizards of the coast is trying to branch out and and add more things to magic and it makes a lot of sense for them to create you know strixhaven and innistrad in the magic the gathering world but then make those things exist in the D realm for people who want to play in, uh in in, in a strad setting which is like curse of strad i assume uh, or in the strixhaven setting i think there's a strixhaven campaign for D, and now they're coming out with a, a D based magic the gathering um expansion so you're i mean i i'm not really much of a magic player but do you see crossover being something that would draw you back to the the game to get back into it or do you think that it's kind of a chapter in your life that's closed been you know or something yeah i think i think it could definitely work um i think on some level i think wizards of coast with both D and magic has been playing a lot of fan service lately but i'm not really against that i think both magic and D are games that benefit heavily from expanding their player base so to make a rick and morty themed DD campaign um you're gonna pull in rick and morty fans and um and that could lead them to being really interested in the game same way with uh creating DD magic related stuff or magic related DD stuff like there's definitely a market for it and there's people you know when you go to any tabletop shop you have individuals i mean i've just been to in the area I live in, there's like at least seven or ten different magic, uh, uh, sorry, tabletop stores. So when I've been to different ones just to see what they're like, you know, some of them you go to and there's like a ton of D&D players and they're buying really expensive dice and they're talking about Tiamat and all sorts of things. And I'm just like, wow, I've, that's cool. I've never seen this before. And then I've been to other stores and, you know, there's a ton of guys, uh, men and women and other people playing magic i'm like oh cool like i i'm not familiar with this but it's cool to see those communities and you see at the magic stores you see the DD books and at the DD books you see the magic cards to sold too so um i think like i said both games benefit from an increased player base and just having more friends play so if you have a couple friends that play magic and you want to introduce them to DD, i'm sure that's a possibility as long as people are open-minded and vice versa. So, yeah. But I guess, I mean, are you, do you think D and D being in magic is something that would like, would it get you back into the, to sit like, would you, would it get you to start buying cards again and build a deck out uh, and start playing? Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to friends, your friend, the group, you know, if I had, uh friends that were really into magic right now i think i would 
I think I would care more about that than the D and D element. And I would be buying pack or I would buy singles of cards or whatever to play uh, with them. I don't think I would really be too influenced by the cross promotion. Um, I do think D and D is a lot more accessible, which I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, but the fact of the matter is, it's it's free. It's like, do you have a dice roller and some friends and some time to talk about stuff? Then you can play D and D, and that's cool. Now with Magic, uh, you know, you have to either buy the cards or you have to proxy cards, and some people are cool with people proxying cards uh, in case people listening aren't familiar it's where you print your own cards um and some people are really cool about that because some cards are incredibly expensive um i think that's been happening in the warhammer universe too i've never played warhammer i always thought the figurines are cool but recently i've heard about people buying 3d printers and printing their own warhammer collectibles and uh I don't know how I feel about that. Part of me is like, hey, the more the merrier, the more people involved, the more fun you're going to have. And the other part of me is like, uh, you know, it's not official. How much does that matter? I don't know. I don't know how much it matters to me. I mean, I'm, I I played Magic for like a few months when I was in middle school, but proxy card thing, that sounds kind of strange to me because it seems like sort of the appeal or... The appeal would be to buy a boost, some booster packs and make a deck out of whatever you get. And that if you have crap cards, you have crap cards. And if you have sweet cards, you have sweet cards. It's like all about, I, to me, it seems like it'd all be about strategy and how you build out the deck. So if people are just letting you print things off and say it's okay, that, I don't know. It seems strange to me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm coming at it from a, the wrong perspective, but oh. I don't know. I don't know. What you're saying makes makes perfect sense. There's just an inherent economy to magic because it's lasted for so long that there's this weird supply and demand where um, you know people who want to run official tournaments want you to have actual cards, um, and and I I get that that makes sense. But then people who want to play competitive decks, you know, for example, if uh, if you and I went to, you know, Walmart or Target or Myers or some place, some other store, and we bought a couple of packs of cards, and then we use those cards to make a deck, uh, you know, it it would or would not run uh, a certain way. Um, but there's more competitive formats. Uh, I think um, if I could just go back uh, and explain a little bit more about Magic, there's actually a really popular format. Uh, that's been in existence for a few years now called Commander, and it's a four-player game. And when I played Magic, I was I don't think Commander was really exi- in existence, and it definitely wasn't recognized by Wizards of the Coast. But it was it was a one one v one kind of game. And now apparently Commander is a very popular format, and it's a four-player game. And that's really funny because um, one of their descriptions of commander is like it's less about winning and losing and more about the collective experience and like making a story and you have huge decks compared to normal and you have huge life totals so the games can last hours and i think that is a place where um D D and magic can overlap where when you get together with friends for D, some people are very much about the strategy and the the campaigns and whatnot but other people just want to tell a really cool story with their friends and that's what they do through the 
outlet of D&D. And some people play a four-player commander game and they tell kind of their own story through their cards and what the politics that goes between uh, the four players, like, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to beat all three of you. Someone else is like, hey, if you help me do this and stop him or her or them, I will then help you out next turn. And like, that's a really cool thing. And some people want to play a more competitive version of Commander. And the issue with playing competitive Commander is those cards that I talked about that were printed 20 years ago are now worth you know, hundreds of dollars. I mean, there's a, a particular card that's, you know, uh, very strong and used in a lot of different competitive commander decks, and it's $9,000. And is that, is that like a Black Lotus or something? Uh, oh, no, that's not even the Black Lotus. That's the best part. It's like, I think Black Lotus is banned. I think it's really old and it's really expensive, but it's banned. But like Time Twister, which is $9,000, isn't banned. So if you're going to make a competitive uh, commander deck and you run the color blue you're not gonna you're gonna want time twister in it and time twister is nine thousand dollars so i've looked for regular commander decks and there's lots of resources that tell you hey if you could buy you can build a commander deck for 25 dollars. you can build one for under one dollar it's 100 cards for under one dollar but there's also competitive decks that are $19,000, $13,000. And that is insane for a lot of people to spend that much money on a hobby, um, let alone a, a card game. And that's, I think, where the proxying comes in, where, um, yeah, maybe at a, an official tournament, uh, people want to see real tw time twisters hitting the table. But when you're um, just with your friends, if you want to play a more competitive, more fast-paced game, you guys probably just proxy the cards for each other and all of a sudden you can spend a hundred dollars and the four of you can have very tournament high strategy high power decks for a hundred dollars instead of forty thousand dollars or fifty thousand like at one table so i understand why people proxy and i think in that setting people people have no problem with it they're very egalitarian they want to play you and not quote play your wallet so i get that but that's just the inherent um uh, inequality of magic is when you buy that pack at walmart or target it's it's a four dollar pack of cards and it might be worth two dollars it might be worth four dollars it's not worth nineteen thousand dollars so and that's kind of where D&D kind of stands out. And that's why I said D&D, I think, is a little bit more accessible for most people. You just need friends and an imagination, and you're good to go. I think with D&D, you can kind of make it as expensive or inexpensive as you want. Yeah. I mean, the base rules are free online, and you would all you would really need is a pair of dice in your imagination. But then, you know, the argument I used to make against video games that I kind of got out of... Um, probably 10, 15 years ago, was that it was too expensive. But then I find myself probably spending more money on board games and D&D crap that probably get less use than I would out of a video game. You know, I yeah. a board a board game can cost, you know, 50 to $100, and you might play it twice. Video game might cost you $70, you play it for, I don't know, 16 hours, 20 hours, whatever. Um forever if it's like a like a Morrowind or a Grand Theft Auto 
Five or something, not a Mario one, Skyrim or Grand Theft Auto Five, something yeah. they keep re-releasing and giving people a reason to keep buying it. But um, was I going with this? Well, like Magic, I it was another one of those things where I was like, I kind of felt turned off by the fact that it was like a thing you had to keep to keep putting money into the machine basically to uh, play it. You had to keep buying cards. Cards would you know, be banned or no longer allowed, and which I guess made um, games like Keyforge seem kind of interesting to me because it was like you just bought the deck and then you were good to go. Or which was also I think um, what's that guy's name Richard Garfield or something the guy who started Magic. It's another of his games I think. Yes, I think he he created both. Um, yeah, I think I think different people approach different hobbies from different angles. I think you know I, at points I've um i've wanted to play board games but i haven't always had friends interested in in playing a tabletop so i've avoided those but then i've had friends want to play games online and we've lived in different states so i'm like yeah sure and there's interestingly quite a few free-to-play games that are high graphic quality high um you know interactivity and skill and whatnot that um you can get hours of fun out of for free and they have like cash stores or for microtransactions and whatnot which you know some people are very against microtransactions and that makes sense if you're paying 60 to 70 dollars for a game and then you're also buying extra microtransactions on top of it you're like that that is ridiculous but if you play a game for free and maybe you you bought one skin for a character or something and i mean you see that's you see that with some of the very popular games especially with younger crowds middle school or teenage you know a lot of the games that they're playing are are free to play games you don't have to steal your mom's credit card to play them um and then um with magic you know like i said some people who play within their friend groups and want to play high powered decks they proxy but if you're not proxying and you want to play real cards like i've never proxied but um i've always played on a budget um but the budget cards I used to do, like I used to, when we were in high school, I used to go to the comic book shop, uh, take you sometimes, we would get comics, but sometimes I would, I'd buy cards for 10 cents a card and I would buy four of those. And then all of a sudden the deck I'm running is more consistent than, you know, the friend of ours who buys a pack at Target and just throws in whatever matches. Um, but, you know, like I said, with some of those expensive cards, magic cards, strangely, have appreciated over time. So if people are interested in getting into magic, some of the cards you buy now, regardless of the price that they are, they're going to go up. And um, it's kind of weird to view a hobby like that, right? So some people are like, oh, my hobby is D&D, and I, I do cool stories with my friends, and we have a good time and that's it and other people are like my hobby is magic and i've bought these really expensive cards and i use them to play against other people and i'm still playing with my friends but two years down the road like i've made money on the cards that i bought because they've appreciated over time everybody has different angles and i just think that's a kind of a weird angle but it's it's also a really interesting angle like who knew card appreciation exists and during the COVID pandemic, we've seen a huge spike in Pokemon cards. Obviously, we've like people our age were around when they first came out, but who knew that they would be selling for millions of dollars today? 
I, I, um, I, once there's some guy who's, uh, he, I remember when first time I heard about like the Robin Hood app, it was probably, I don't know how many years ago. It was before, you know, all the, um, it was like in the news all the time and people were like, before GameStop and people like committing suicide over bad trades. And so someone told me about Robin Hood and he was saying, but you know, if you know, I was like, well, you got any good stock tips? I'm going to download this app. Is there any stocks I should be looking at to buy? He's like, you know, if you really want to make money, buy one of those boxes of all the booster sets you know the brand new magic cards when they come out and just buy the big box that has like all the um booster set uh booster packs or whatever they're called um blister packs and he's in and he's like just hold on to it for like five years and then put it up on ebay and you'll probably get a lot of money for it and like that's a really good idea and then i forgot up until this conversation <laughs> yeah and, and what's crazy and that's one of the funny things about this is like um, I've played multiple games over many years and have been I've had varied in like very different, very strange, specific interests over many years. And it's always funny that as soon as you like dive into one of those interests, you always find weird things out about them. So, for example, I haven't been interested in magic for many years. I played in high school. Um you remember, and then I didn't play for years, and then I randomly went to some tournaments post-college and won somehow, and then I stopped playing again, and then my brother-in-law was like, hey, we should play Magic, like, two weeks ago, and so I, like, started putting some attention to it again, but um, you just mentioned the booster pack thing, and and this is, like, a completely recent development, but in the last week or two, there's been a huge uh, thing about an Amazon scam where people who buy magic cards off Amazon in those boxes that you're talking about will open the boxes up. They look like they're completely packaged and wrapped by wizards, but when you open the package up, each one of the packs is opened and all of the cards have been tampered with. And the pack that they bought for hundreds of dollars that could be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars if you're lucky is actually worth like, twenty dollars because everything has been cut open everything has been tampered with everything has been changed and swapped out um and it's happened to quite a few people and and so that's like i said it's just really weird it's like how does that happen like you you told me that a couple years ago somebody gave you that advice and then you didn't think to mention it until now and it just so happened that you mentioned it now and i'm like hey this just happened last week where like all these people are getting ripped off by amazon they're buying boxes but their boxes are all tampered with so it's weird it is weird that like whenever you get interested in a community you start doing research you're just like whoa this really weird thing happens in this community like people are tampering with boxes there was it's not magic but there was one unconventional investment that i made um after kind of reading about things that appreciate over time and it was lego like a lego apparently if you get the right if you get the right sets you know because there's such a huge collector's market for it typically they're like sets are in the hundreds like hundreds of dollars so maybe like the voltron set you just hold on to it in the box for however long so i was like oh i'm gonna test this out and i ended up buying like Lego yellow submarine. I felt like it was like a low barrier to entry. It was like maybe a thirty to forty dollar set, but I was like, 
Oh, it's a um No, there's like there's a big market for Beatles. You know, people love the Beatles, so I figure you know, it's not a hundred dollar set, but probably at some point it'll be a collector's item. So never got into the card collecting thing, but I have a Beatles set somewhere in storage and I think last time I checked it it probably it was worth thirty dollars more than what I bought it for. So I'm so Made some that profit. It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy because you just mentioned Voltron Legos and you blew my mind. I never knew that could exist. And I was like, wow, that sounds awesome. Let me look that up. I looked it looks it up awesome. It's like $500. There's like <laughs> only one left in stock at this one place. And I'm just like, holy crap. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, somebody bought this for $39.99 and now it's worth $500. Uh, I have some some magic cards I bought in high school for like five dollars a piece. They were that was a lot for me back then, like to buy a five dollar card. I recently found out that five dollar card is worth a hundred and fifty dollars right now per card, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like I hope I still have those. <laughs> but um, yeah, collecting is, is weird. Like I've I've never been a big collector of things in general. I've always been more utility. Like. Uh, can I play this game? No. Well, then I don't care. Like, why would I care? And then, of course, we heard about the uh, the Mario um, N64 unopened pot package going for like millions of dollars just a couple days ago. So, I am um, actually looking up the Beatles now. I'm wondering how much. What's this averaging at right now? Oh yeah. Uh, value. It's I think new. It's sealed. Hundred and. Forty-five dollars. I bought it for, I guess retail is sixty. So it's yeah. making money. But I can tell you that Voltron thing. I think was it wasn't like a fifty-dollar set. It was like oh, a. Gotcha. It was like a two hundred-dollar set because it each line is its own thing, and then they all combine. It looked cool. They used to have it at Barnes and Noble, and I was always tempted to buy it. But <laughs> I I get I make a reporter salary, so it's not. It didn't seem like a sound. Like something I could choose, I could buy at the moment. So, yeah, and you know, there's, you know, we we kind you mentioned, you know, Robin Hood and paying attention to Robin Hood before GME was a thing or a, like a well known thing. But I mean, I think um, Reddit has quite a few finance related things where if people are really interested in collecting and find, I mean, I'm not, I've never really have been, but. I guess it's never too late to be interested in it, but maybe one day I will. But uh, there's all sorts of sorts of finance related things, and there's a magic finance thing for guys, or for I keep saying guys, I need to ungender my speech. But for people who want to um, get into like the collecting element of magic, and it's just like, hey, you guys should. There's a lot of speculation, and like, hey, you guys should buy this or don't buy that. Um, and obviously the, the whole Amazon scandal with the open packs and stuff. And is it Amazon doing it? Is it a disgruntled worker? Is it fake? All sorts of things are coming up, but there are quite a few, um, collectors related, um, um, markets, I guess, where, you know, people are looking at the finance of magic cards and it's just like wait what <laughs> like how is that a thing but no people are looking at like and it's not just you know a um 
a black diamond a black lotus or a mox diamond or whatever it's like it's more than that like people are looking to to make money with collections and stuff um, i read an article not too long ago talking about how the coat like during the covid pandemic like the cost of pokemon cards somehow shot up and there's people now with multi-million dollar pokemon sets and they're never gonna you know sell them because they're true collectors at heart you know that they've been collecting since they came out in 90 what eight or nine and they've always collected and they didn't do it for the money they did it for the love of collecting and now they have a 17 million dollar pokemon card collection that they're not going to part with because they love their cards and that's why they have them um i didn't think that applied to D until this last week where i went to a tabletop store and i saw a person uh, a person say hey what's that set of black dice that looks really awesome the uh, person behind the counter said hey that's a uh, hematite dice they're 200 dollars for this set of hematite dice and the guy bought it and then his girlfriend was like is that tiamat and how much is that it was 60 dollars. i'm buying tiamat i need to have tiamat i must have her and i'm just like Oh wow! I didn't realize people spent money on D and D as well. <laughs> I thought it was like, a, you know, my point of view was like, I, I'm not even rolling real dice. I'm just rolling on D and D Beyond. So yeah, well, I I think like I said it's just there's levels you can go. It could be oh, it could be nothing. I mean, the SRD rules are free, and if you have D and D Beyond, yeah, and you don't mind playing a limited character and not having all the options, then it's free. But if you, you know, I have a lot of different types of dice you know and some of them were dice i bought off wish.com and they were i got like a pack of 10 for like 10 bucks and then i have a set of dice that actually did cost me 10 bucks just for that one set yeah um so i think before well i wanted to say rapper logic i don't know if you know that rap yeah. rapper. oh yeah for sure he bought like a I guess a $220,000 Pokemon card or something in the news recently. It. Yeah, that article I read about um, was about a guy quote name, named like quote Mr. Pokemon or something or King Pokemon. I don't know. It's kind of weird when a bunch of little kids see you at a Pokemon convention and call you King Pokemon or something, but whatever. He loves it. He like had like Steve Aoki and I'm not sure if you say that's how you say his name, but other famous musicians like, you know, buying cards. I remember hearing about different twitch streamers you know not really you know streaming games but just streaming themselves cutting pokemon cards i guess that's uh baller expensive yeah exactly i like uh i don't i don't want to drop lingo and age myself as a lame old guy or anything <laughs> like i just did but, yeah exactly i'm like um Fine. excuse me i'm pretty sure kids say uh, swag these days no but <laughs> that's probably not even right but my point was uh that i've always found it weird because when i play games i'm always about the gameplay itself like you said earlier about like do you are you more about the story are you more about metagaming or are you about like the strategy behind it and i'm always like hey i want to play games with other people I want to strategize with other people and I want us to, you know, maybe go against something or someone. So um, obviously MOBAs and MMOs fit that category, uh, but so do um, team-based, you know, Magic the Gathering. Not that I've really played a whole lot of it, but it exists. 
Um, and D&D is kind of like that, depending on your group. You know, some people are like, uh, they have kind of a, um antagonistic relationship with their DM. Uh, we haven't had that because we've been all pretty chill. But some people are like, hey, I, I want to beat my DM this week because my DM keeps killing my characters left or right. And I'm like, how do we beat this guy? And then other people are like, I'm I love being like having the whole table against me and like I'm I'm throwing monsters left and right at them. And that's that's cool that the uh that D&D has that um, variance to it where you can always you can kind of play together as a group and have fun and you can kind of go against each other and have fun and backstab and plot and you know if that's your thing that's not necessarily my thing but I'm sure you as long as you find a group to do that with golden well sam before i let you go this evening um we do a just like a random kind of like three random questions at the end of the interview um if you have your d20 handy i'll have you uh roll it and i will uh, give you the question that it comes up with just for the listener i have a random dice table with a series of questions on it so whenever you're ready okay i have three d20 sitting in front of me so just let me know what the first the first one is. We'll do it one by one. Two. Two. Okay. So the question is, what is the last thing you looked up on the internet? <laughs> I looked up. Or, or do you mean just like in Google? Anything. Yeah. I guess it could be. The last thing I, I looked up was, as mentioned earlier, Voltron Lego. <laughs> <laughs> and before that, it was... Um, let me go through my tabs. It looks like it was. Sorry, I'm just trying to close all the D and D related tabs. It was uh Martin Chakraley Wu Tang Clan album sells. Oh. Uh, like I said, I'm usually not I'm not a finance guy, but I know that happened today, and I was I'm a fan of Wu Tang, and I hate Martin Chakraley for his terrible treatment of people and his appropriation of, <laughs> of rap items. So, uh, so yeah. what was the, I haven't read the story. So he sold oh, I, it. I, I, I didn't, the story didn't actually pull up because I don't have a subscription with that magazine. Oh, the headline uh, I'm reading, it says, cool. headline I'm reading, it says United States sells one of a kind Wu-Tang Clan album seized. From Martin Trek. Oh, nice. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. I have to read that. <laughs> that guy was a good person. No. I don't usually like to um, judge people. Yeah. In public, for- in public, in public forums. <laughs> yeah. But like. Uh... I think. I think it's fair to say everybody can agree. Democrat or Republican or Libertarian and Green Party, whatever you are, that Martin Shrek, Shrekley or whatever, you, however you say his name, wasn't a yeah, great individual. I, I don't know if I have either. I just, um, you know, I worked in the pharmacy business and saw a lot of people who went without medications, and he made it hard for people to get medications. And uh, I think no matter who you are, when you're trying to help a little grandma with her life, changing medication you're probably not going to be too happy at the people who make that life-changing medication worth more than 
much he spends on food in a year. So I think he had acquired the rights to like a malaria medication, I think. I don't remember it, but it had like an off label use that people used it for and he just upped the price. I think and then he like well have like a special program for people who can't afford it. I don't I think I'm not sure. Does that ring a bell? I'm yeah, um, unfortunately, it's there's just been so much news in the last couple of years. My memory is not what it used to be, so I have to like look it up again. But um, it looks like he did stuff with he did stuff with companies that took care of different types of drugs. So um, this this Huff Post. Yeah. Uh, article says it was Daraprim and it's used for malaria and AIDS yeah. and uh, some other stuff. Yeah, so. it's like a it's an antiparasitic, so and it's also used to treat AIDS related issues. Um, and uh, it had to do with like patent patent law, I guess. So patent expired and he took care of it picked it up and raised the price but i mean that's what's happened in the last couple years is like the the price of a lot of drugs has skyrocketed obviously you know we've we've heard about the person who did that with um epipen epinephrine that people need to survive uh, reactions and then with insulin as well you know that's probably one of the worst ones right there you know even i didn't i don't work in pharmacy related um jobs anymore but when i started to when i finished the price of insulin went up by like 300 percent. so at least at least a couple of them but uh yeah it's rough but uh i i would rather uh i'd rather my answer be voltron lego for the last (laughs) (laughs) and it is officially the last thing i looked up so can I have you roll again then? Yep, and we're getting a nine. Nine. Um, hot dogs or hamburgers? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't know. Are you vegan now? Maybe. I don't no, know. Uh, my wife okay. is vegetarian. Um, so we have had you know veggie dogs, um, which are surprisingly not that different from a regular hot dog, depending on what brand you get. Um, because with a lot of hot dogs, you don't really know what's in there. And with a veggie dog, you still don't know what's in there. So it all works out. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, uh, in terms of, I guess for me, I've always been more of a burger of, over a hot dog kind of guy. Uh, you can kind of make it the way you want to make it. Um, you can add a lot more stuff to it. And, uh, if you don't, obviously beef is, you know, what we're familiar with as for burgers, but if you want if you don't eat beef, you want turkey. That's an option. We were just at a place that sells a salmon burger. I don't really know what that. I like salmon, but I've never had a salmon burger, and I don't know if I want to. And then we've had obviously the uh, the plant based burgers, not so much the veggie burgers, but the uh, Impossible burgers and Beyond Beef and stuff like that. And... I. I don't really care for the Beyond or whatever. Um, I don't know which one I had, but I remember buying it because I was curious. You know, yeah. you see it advertised, Burger King advertised. Not, I didn't buy Burger Kings, but 
I think theirs theirs is impossible. And then you can buy but both I'm... in stores actually. Uh, like regular. And I was just curious. I wanted to know how close it was to the real thing. And I, I, I tried it, and I feel like I was like, it tastes like a burger I would buy at school. Like if I was in school still, like a, gotcha. like a high school or middle school. Like just kind of really. Not even like a college dorm burger. Maybe it just wasn't good. I was like, this doesn't really taste that great. I mean, I guess it passes, but it passes for like very low quality burger. In my opinion, sure. I, I don't know if that was your take. If you've tried it, but I've uh, like I, burgers. I have. And I'm, yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not like a insane carnivore or anything like that. I'm open to trying veggie products, and that was not one I particularly particularly liked. So. Gotcha. Yeah, there's there's quite a few on the market now. I've had them all lately, um, or more recently, I guess. Better term for it uh but um yeah i i think i like burgers more um just because there's a lot of different kinds and there's a lot of things you can do to them so if you have dietary restrictions you can make it work and there's not really a lot you can do to a hot dog i know they chicago style it um but yeah hot dogs are kind of kind of simple kind of plain so you get can you get Kogel's hot dogs in Cleveland? I could order them, I'm sure. Um, I think when my family lived in North Carolina, we we knew people from Michigan who wanted Kogel's, so we would uh, get those for them. But you can order. I think you can. I think Kogel's delivers anywhere now. Um, haven't had one in a long time. Um, but. I uh, I always um, I I just have so many weird hamburger stories because like for some reason like I I actually like the Impossible and the Beyond Burgers and I know meat eaters out there are like how could you how dare you in the Greta Thunberg voice but uh, I'm really unlucky when it comes to burgers because whenever I get a burger from like another store it's or like a fast food chain or whatever there's a bone chip in it and I'm just like and it hurts my teeth like why is there a bone chip in my burger um similarly like i think it's really funny i don't know if it's currently this way and i don't want you to lose your sponsorship with mcdonald's just kidding i know that doesn't exist for you but they on their on their wrappers they write 100 percent uh ground beef tm and it's not an indication of what their burger is it's because they own a company called 100 percent ground beef <laughs> that prints their packaging and so their packaging can say 100% ground beef on it when the burger is not as advertised. But they could argue that's not what we were advertising. That's just the name of our packaging company. Interesting. Uh, it's pretty weird. It reminds me of Idiocracy and the Costco. Uh, Welcome to Costco. I love you. But um, but yeah, so that's like, that's weird. Um, and I don't know if you've had Impossible Burgers. They sell them at burger king but if you buy them at your own or at, at a at a store or you order them online the claim to fame for impossible is that they use heme which is um this uh iron smelling and tasting like heme itself is smells like iron and uh tastes like iron and that's what you taste in the meat because it's quote bloody 
but they found a plant-based team to use in their plant-based burgers and that's why impossible burgers bleed when you cook them um my wife is vegetarian she's always been vegetarian her entire life so i made her an impossible burger and she was surprised by it she was weirded out by it but she liked it but kind of but then she made one herself and she was terrified because she saw the burger bleeding and she's never cooked anything that's bled before and i was like look it's not real it's probably like red dye or beet juice it's not really bleeding but it was a traumatic experience for her and i thought that was hilarious and i filmed it and it's somewhere out there on the cloud nice i'll have to get the impossible i i don't know which one i tried i just remember being like like it passes but it's not like a great substitute it wasn't a great substitute in my book yeah whatever the one i was i tried and i'm you know i'm i think a younger me would be appalled by the idea of like fake meat no, it's like I'm. T- t- part of me is like, if you want meat, then just eat meat. And if you don't want meat, then don't eat it. Yeah. And some of these substitutes, I think, are kind of like, I don't know. It's it just seems kind of weird. But I there's like a curiosity, and I definitely gave uh, the impossible, yeah, or something a try. Yeah. Um. I I'm not a crazy carnivore. I know that probably made me sound like I was earlier, but I I actually have probably eat we eat a, a number we eat plant-based once in a while you know every like we you know your family is indian and um that's like one of our favorite types of food food to food to cook is indian food and we love we love eating indian food and going out to get indian food and there are meat dishes but a lot of the best dishes aren't meat dishes i mean obviously that's generalizing the the culture yeah, there's I mean, I mean, all sorts of different different cuisine types of cuisines in india yeah. so i think india is a big place and and therefore you have uh places in india where the best dish is considered to be a meat dish and there's other places where they don't eat meat at all uh my family half of my family the other half is it's not indian but half of my, the half that i grew up with was and uh and um I think it's funny when people say they like Indian food because I'm glad that they have a cultural, they're culturally open-minded, but as a kid who had to eat it every day, I'm like, I hate Indian food. I never want, <laughs> want anything else. Mexican, Italian, like like Thai food, sushi, give me anything else uh, just because I just don't want it anymore. But um, I, uh, like I said, she's vegetarian. And so a lot of times we eat a vegetarian kind of diet. Um, but um, so I, I'm not against the plant-based stuff, but at the end of the day, for me, food tends to be more of a sustenance rather than a pleasure. So um, when I tell people like, yeah, I've had impossible and beyond, and it's, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly passable to me. Um, they're just like, well, I can't believe you would do that. And I'm like, I just shove the burger in my mouth and I go back to rolling dice or something. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't spend that much time worrying about the food. Like, you know, uh, so I get like my my opinion is biased, right? If you were to ask me, um, you know, what my t- my my favorite game of this or my favorite strategy or something like that or my favorite theories on blah 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 or rap album or whatever, then yeah, I could I could give you 
I could tell you something I care about. But when it comes to food, I'm just like, give me pizza, give me sushi, give me Mexican food. Otherwise, I don't. I'm I'm just eating to survive, really. So. I get that. That was me up until like a year ago, and then when I had to start cooking for other people, they're like, you can't just serve us boiled chicken. Yeah. I would just make a bunch of chicken in a crock pot. Yeah. I was like, well, You're... they're like, they're like, we want different food. And I was like, well, yeah, this today we'll put ranch dressing on it. Tomorrow we'll put cheese on it it's and roll like, it up and roll it up in a tortilla. And you've been a very healthy you... guy. So I imagine you were like, today we're having chicken, broccoli and brown rice. And no. Tomorrow <laughs> no, we're having no. chicken, broccoli and brown rice. And the day after we're having chicken, broccoli and brown rice. And one day it'll have salsa on it. And one day it'll have soy sauce on it <laughs> one day it'll have some curry with it and that's just how <laughs> well it my th- my thing for a, a lot of years was just what can i make in bulk you know i don't want to have to sit i don't want to have to make decisions every day on what i'm going to eat yeah. and that's not a part of my life anymore now it's like every meal has to be different every day <laughs> and i like cooking i like cooking good food but i just don't want to I would rather have like an elaborate cooking day, like once or twice a week, and then the rest of the week is just like leftovers or just like simple meals. But you know, some people want to go to Flavor Town, and some people don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So lately, it's like we have a bunch of cookbooks, but lately they're all they take a lot of all the recipes take forever. So lately, it's just looking up quick googling like quick meals you know because i don't want to spend you know a lot of time cooking since i have to work so much so right all right last question sam go ahead and roll your dice five boy these rolls all right what scene in a movie always gives you goosebumps when you see it goosebumps ah that's a tough one um I and the three hundred. This is part of no. I'm oh man, dude, we can go off on three hundred. I'm uh, I don't want to make your podcast political, but I was so pumped for that. I loved Sin City. It was the same, you know. It was going to be Frank Miller based, and I I was so excited to see three hundred when it came out, and I saw it in um in IMAX and everything, and I and I had this strange feeling, and I hated it. And I had this strange feeling it was political, and then I found out it wasn't really based on the Battle of Thermopylae. Like, it was based on a graphic novel based on the Battle of Thermopylae, but that's not true. It was based on a graphic novel, which was based on a propaganda-esque war movie that came out in, like, the 30s or 40s or 50s or something uh, that was heavily politically influenced that that was based on about Thermopylae. So I was like, hey, these these political views coming through in this movie that I did not sign up for, uh, they're actually like I told everybody about it and they're like, what are you talking about, man? It was just cool action. Did you see all the abs? They were throwing spears. And I was like, dude, that's not the point. Like they said things that are weird for two thousand six or seven, the political climate back then and turns out they were weird for a reason anyway sorry about that long rant you can cut that all out um in terms of scenes that give me goosebumps um i obviously like the action-packed ones like 
but those don't give me goosebumps right like yeah it's really cool when you spoilers see like uh avengers and you see the avengers assemble scene where like they finally assemble to fight thanos at the very end like that's really cool for example or you know if you're watching you know my hero academia or something you see that final United States of Smash. That's like that's awesome. Those are cool scenes. But I think for me, the the scenes that always get me are the psychology based ones. Maybe that's just because I've always liked psychology, and that's the field I'm trying to um, study about a lot right now and work on as my career. But I think the scenes that uh, affect me more or give me goosebumps are the scenes that are kind of psycho psychologically driven. Um, there's a scene in Forrest Gump, I think, where he realizes he has a kid. I think that kid is Haley Joel Osment. And, but then he realized, like, it's like the first time in the movie that he addresses that he has some learning disability. And he's just like, is this kid like me? Because he's, like, concerned about the kid's psychology. Or um, I, there's a TV show. I really love the show Atlanta. It's a great show. There's another show called Dave about a guy who's a rapper in real life. And it's it's kind of like a parody of his. It's not a full parody, but it's like a loosely based on his his life story. And it stars his actual hype man as his actual best friend in the show, who is his actual best friend in real life. But he experiences bipolar disorder, and there's an episode about bipolar disorder in a way that is not shown in other facets and outlets of media. It's a lot less stigmatized and it's a lot more like raw and emotional and, and that kind of thing uh gives me more goosebumps because i think there's a lot of stigma that um most people in the world face that we don't realize they face and i think a lot of people in past generations have said you know uh mental status or mental I mean, even the word mental disorder is stigmatizing in itself. Um, but a lot of people are like, oh, that's weakness, or oh, I don't have that, denial, hey, I don't want to talk about that, I don't want to face that. Like, if you have problems, just drink a lot and you'll be fine, blah, blah, blah. I think that's how old generations try to handle mental health. And I think today, I think we're a lot more honest about it. And I think portrayal in the media about mental health has been horrific, just like portrayal of race and plenty of other things has been but i think lately we've been trying to make um, media that portrays mental health in a different light that tries to help destigmatize it that tries to help um, reach people who uh, need or want help or have family members that they want to help so those are the kind of scenes that give me goosebumps or the scenes that are like um Hey, I'm I'm acknowledging something I've never acknowledged before, or hey, I'm I'm concerned about you know the safety of another person, or hey, I don't fit in. Why don't I fit in? Why do I feel this way? Those are the scenes that kind of get me more than the uh, Avengers Assemble. <laughs> uh, the only reason I brought up 300 originally is I I for some reason I felt like we went and saw that movie together. We had thought. You went and saw it with me and my dad for some reason. Maybe I'm wrong. I didn't. Interestingly, I would have. I would have enjoyed it. See, I saw quite a few films with you and your dad that were great. I but I do remember you having a like a vitriolic response to it, or at least yeah. talking talking about it. 
and uh, so I thought it'd be funny to bring up. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I haven't met. I mean, I'm not going to say I know a lot of people, but I don't know that many people who didn't like it. <laughs> Most people I know are like that. Movie was awesome. Did you see him kick the guy in the well? I wish I could kick the guy in the well. <laughs> just like, uh, yeah, no, like I just I thought it was really weird that you know. Our country was in the middle of a war and people were like don't talk to the senators and then i watch a movie and they're like who cares what the senate says we're going to war anyway i'm like uh wait what like <laughs> kind of weird about hearing that i uh, i um stuff, you know yeah i i think i was when i being high school kid seeing it i was like this is cool and then i got to college you instantly realize this is like the anthem for every drunk frat boy who's about to do like a like this uh, egg stand egg stand <laughs> they're like this is sparta and then all his friends lift him up and he you know yeah does something ridiculous and then gets then tries to fight everybody afterwards so <laughs> <laughs> so i was uh i was like oh man this movie's kind of lame now and now when i do watch it i'm like i i'm I'm sorry, Zack Snyder, if you're a future fan of this podcast, but I do not care for any of your movies. I think they're overstylized, gar- overstylized garbage. Just taking a, just taking a, you know, an opinion here on his movies. No offense to him, he seems like a great guy. I know he adopts a lot of kids and um, does like some charity, charity and stuff. But that movie is that wasn't when I see it now. You can like. A person and not like their art and that is and you can love a person's art and not like who they are and uh i don't i don't think that's very controversial i'm sure some people do but um i don't, I don't know too many Zack snyder films i think i've somehow missed a bunch so I'm not, that's fair i'm not on his bandwagon and i'm not on his hate train so um i just know uh I, I thought Sin City was really cool. We we did see that one together in the theater. Yeah. And that was hilarious because the theater was packed and everybody laughed. It was a theater in Flint too, so everybody was laughing at every ridiculous thing that <laughs> happened. And I thought that was incredibly graphic. And in, I think it is an incredibly graphic movie, but I was I was also a high schooler. So uh, Yeah. The other day I was ranting to Stephanie about Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League. I was like, it's, I was like, it's unwatchable. I couldn't even finish it. I was ranting to her about a separate rant. I had a, a different friend about the movie and my whole complaint. I mean, it was this, this is a big convoluted thing at this point. Cause this is the third rant I'm about to go on about this movie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the whole, my whole complaint was like, I couldn't get through it because he, Edited the movie in a way that it, he, or he rather, he formatted the movie to be film, shown on an IMAX screen, mm. even though there was never any intention of it ever go, getting a theatrical release on IMAX. He, for some, whatever reason, became obsessed with this format. So when you look at this, so when you watch the movie, it's like you know when back in the day when you had the the old tube TVs, the square TVs, and you yeah. watched a widescreen VHS, and they just cut off the there'd be black bars oh, on yeah. the bottom. Right. Yeah. Well, on, on his version, it's like only ex- it's exclusive on HBO Max. There's black bars to the left and to the right of the picture, oh. and so I'm like, you're losing like, you know, you're losing inches of your shot because he formatted it to be like this 
up huge vertical up and down screen and i was like it just looks ridiculous everybody has a widescreen tv now like just format it for that nobody ever was expecting this to come out in the first place and then you were lucky you even got this opportunity yeah. and you formatted it for a a screen that you know not like barely any cities have imax you have to go to like a big city to go see it or go to like a museum so you're it's you're just like it's like niche niche upon niche upon niche and i was like this movie is just i was like i can't watch this this is just dumb it's four hours i can't look at the screen for that long i turned i i knew it was a bad movie when like with 30 minutes in i'm instantly like googling better movies to watch at that moment you know so I have and a, I, I feel like I haven't seen this movie, but I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, contra- I know this is probably controversial because there's a lot of DC fanboys and Zack Snyder fanboys out there, but I'm just, I'm not a fa- I wasn't a fan of that movie gotcha. at all. I wasn't a fan of it, the Whedon cut, and I'm not a fan of the Snyder cut. And uh, I, I don't know how controversial that is. I think. I think I've heard a lot of maybe it's just my existence on the internet has uh, has pointed me down that route that says, hey, like a lot of people hate the Justice League and a lot of people hate the Snyder Cut. I didn't see either, so I don't want to form an opinion on it because I literally haven't seen it. And I'm sure if I watch it, I'd probably be biased, but I am pretty like opinionated about movies it makes it hard for me to, i have a friend who uh, interestingly is also named jared and he likes the worst movies he just loves the like he's like i saw this movie it was pretty good i'm like oh cool i'll check it out i check it out it's garbage and then <laughs> and then i don't want to be like hey man your taste in movies is garbage but he's always just like i don't know it just becomes weird because he's like Hey, I saw this. I saw Get Out, and I thought this about it. And then I saw Us, and I thought this about it. I'm just like, you missed all the symbolism. You missed all of this. Like, there's just so many like things where I'm just like, there was beauty in this scene because of like this allegory, and there was beauty in that scene because of this thing. And like, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And to him, like, it just didn't have enough Michael Bay in it. And I'm just like, <laughs> come on, man, like. <laughs> But I mean, that's some people, some people. That's that's not what they want, right? And I'm not trying to be some movie hipster, like, oh, everything I watch has to have nuance, and like, everything I watch is, you know, Battle for Algiers and 400 Blows and like all these art school. Like, I'm not trying to do that. I'm just like, hey, like, I've seen Battle. I've seen Battle for Algiers. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, from like, Flint Public Library. Wow, that's a that's a great public library. I I worked at that library for like five years nice. <laughs> well i was i mean i started working there when i was 10 years old so i guess that works it's a great library shout out fpl i was broken i don't know if you still exist but it was good while it lasted i watched all the james bond movies from there i was also a child don't let your <laughs> kids watch james bond but, but <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, I so I, f- I feel weird talking about movies because I feel like I'm I'm gonna piss someone off because I'm gonna say something about 300 or I'm gonna talk about how amazing something was and everybody's like I thought this was scarier and I'm like I don't care if it's scary, it's scary. I care about like the message and the meaning behind it and people are just like oh I don't 
I don't. I just don't. I want to be entertained. Was I entertained for two hours or not? And um, I could yell like Gerard Butler, are you not entertained? But maybe that's what they're yelling at me. I don't know. I mean, yeah, some people just want the Michael Bay experience, and that's fine. I mean, there's movies for all people. I'm, I'm, I fall. Sometimes that's all I want too. I just want to throw shove popcorn in my mouth. But there's some things that you can't unsee, and I can't unsee two black bars to the left and to the right of the Justice League movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, um. I was just talking to, uh, I, I mentioned I had to go to that wedding. And during the wedding, at one point, I somehow got separated from all the adults. And I had to talk to a 15-year-old about movies that they're super into. And they were super into seeing um, the Fast and Furious movie. And oh, my God. I, I haven't seen any of those. And I felt weird. I didn't. And he was like, yeah, but people tell me it's going to be bad. But I bet it's going to be really good. And I was like. You know, I bet Fast and Furious, the franchise, is made for you. You're 15 years old. You love cars. You probably like seeing the women on screen. You want to grow up to look like Vin Diesel. This is this is perfect for you. Like, this is the best thing for you. Like, for me, it's not. It's just not. Like, I haven't seen them because I don't think they'll be for me. And you know what? Maybe they will be for me. Maybe uh, with the right substances... A lot of drinks. They'll be awesome. I don't know. But <laughs> well, I haven't taken that risk yet. And uh, I'm not looking to do that anytime soon. I just don't have time to incorporate Fast and Furious in my life. I was talking to my friend Marcus, whom you've met, and is possibly a future friend of the pod at some point. Nice. Um, he, I was talking about Fast and the Furious with him, like the last phone conversation we had, and I it was like basic. I'm I, they're not my movies, but I was talking about like the only like non. Don't get me wrong, I like comic books, but the more I read them, the less I'm interested in mainstream stuff. And the market is like super saturated with like Marvel at this point. And I was telling him it's like the it's like the only Hollywood franchise that wasn't like a comic book at this point, and up until like three years ago i hadn't even known they were like still making them i was like yeah like i i thought they made the first two which i saw like i saw the first one when i was in middle school i like probably had my parents drive me maybe it was in high school but i had to have my parents drive me to the movie theater to go watch see it with some people so i saw like the first two i knew there was a third one but i didn't watch it and i was like oh that must be it you know i thought it was like that was peak fast and the furious uh, at the, that's what I thought. I thought that was it. There's three more. Yeah. There's three. And then one day I'm listening to a podcast. It was like Kevin Pereira back in the day when G4 was a thing. And it's about to become a thing again because they're bringing it back. They have an active active YouTube channel. Um, and he was talking to like some director of the movie. And they're like, yeah, the seventh one was my favorite one or whatever. And I was like, what? I was like, they made more like five more yeah five more of these i was like i did not see that coming and i was like super surprised and i ended up watching this yeah. summer <laughs> yeah 15. nice and i and they're talking about how it's not even like about cars anymore and like racing it's like heist films and i was like i guess i'll give it a shot you know and uh i watched 
one and they were like in Brazil or something and I was like this is this is not good and I stopped watching them so I'm like I don't know where I'm going with this just that I'm super surprised <laughs> that they're at nine at this point because they're unappealing to me and I didn't even know they were still making them and were making money for the longest time yeah like I I mean speaking about comic book movies though um and, and films and just everything like I uh w- watching all the Marvel movies leading up to you know Avengers Endgame I I was for it I guess I was about it um but I knew people who were just like I'm 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 tired of comic book stuff I can't do comic book stuff anymore and I'm like okay I I I get that like I I really like Spider-Man, for example, and I didn't love the first couple of iterations of Spider-Man, so I totally get where you're coming from. Um, but now with Disney Plus and the multiple Disney Plus shows that have come out, um, I think my most controversial take on anything really is like, I, I just don't really care anymore. And people are like, how do you not care about WandaVision? Didn't you like Loki? And I'm like, yeah, they're entertaining. It's just, I'm at a different, you know, point in time in my life where uh i think if i was younger if i you know would watch them with a child it would be great because um i think they're made with disney plus in mind they're made for all ages but as a person who liked the daredevil netflix series with its hyper realistic violence and as a person who liked the the boys on amazon prime which is based on a comic and invincible on amazon prime which is also based on a comic and also hyper violent and adult um it's just really hard for me as an adult to watch a disney plus thing designed for all ages and be super about it i see the fight scene i see the choreography and i'm just like this is awesome if you're nine years old but i'm not nine years old so it's just not my thing like i'm sorry like I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's poorly done. Obviously, they threw a lot of money and they have very well-known and respected actors. It's just, I like the more, you know, adult-themed Daredevil or Invincible or The Boys. Like, those are just more my speed. They have the they have jokes. And that's not to say, like, I need some hyper-realistic violence or I need profanity or I need anything else like that. It's just, those are marketed towards you know uh, my demographic a little bit better than marvel plus is and uh, i think that shows and so i can can watch marvel plus but i'm also just kind of tired of watching uh, disney plus (laughs) so that's fair i'm exhausted by marvel in general i mean i grew up reading it but i don't read marvel comics anymore i read other stuff and we did watch loki that was like my favorite of the Disney Plus series. I have, I never finished WandaVision, um, but Loki was, was fun. And we watched immediately following that. Stephanie and I just watched Preacher together, which is also yeah. same creative team, same same creative team. Evan Goldberg, yeah. Same comic book creative team as well. Uh, oh wow. Garth en- Garth Ennis and uh, Steve Dillon, I think. So. So, you know, we just watched that, and that was fun. I mean, it was f- fun because I read the comic, and it was way different than the comic from what I could piece together from my memory. But it was oh, well. adult, adult, and it was weird and um, gory and kind of could be offensive at times. But, you know, sometimes, you know, 
but it was humorous. I mean, I, I found myself almost crying at the end, and I was I didn't get that from Marvel stuff. Yeah, I I started watching Preacher. I didn't I didn't finish it, but after watching Boys and Invincible, I was like, look, this is clearly like down my down the thing I like the t- rabbit hole for me so let's just keep going down this rabbit hole at this point so sure yeah well sam i don't want to take up too much of your time i know i've already run over probably an hour longer than i said this was going to take so um i just want to thank you so much for uh coming on the podcast today i really appreciate it thanks again for having me it was great to be here awesome thanks thanks sure.